Human Longevity by Joseph R. Buchanan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Human Longevity by Joseph R. Buchanan. The possibility of long life, illustrated in the first number of this journal, may easily be corroborated by referring to numerous examples but the fact that the nobler qualities of human nature are the most efficient promoters of longevity is our most important lesson and it is illustrated by the superior longevity of women he is a misanthrope who does not recognize their superior virtue and he is a poor statesman who does not wish to see that virtue imparted to our political life and who does not recognize the importance of giving to woman the most perfect intellectual and industrial education that she may be self-supporting the british census shows that there are nine hundred and forty eight thousand more women than men in great britain the st james gazette says professor humphrey of cambridge has prepared a series of tables which contain some interesting information about centenarians of fifty-two persons whom he mentions at least eleven two males and nine females actually attained the age of one hundred others attained very nearly to a hundred years only one of the persons reached one hundred and eight years while one died at the alleged age of one hundred and six of the fifty-two persons thirty-six were women and sixteen men out of the thirty-six women twenty-six had been married and eleven had borne large families of the twenty-six who had been wives eight had married before they were twenty one at sixteen and two at seventeen twelve of the fifty-two centenarians were discovered to have been the eldest children of their parents this fact adds dr humphrey does not agree with popular notions that first children inherit a feebleness of constitution nor with the opinion of racing stables which is decidedly against the idea that firstlings are to be depended on for good performances on the course the centenarians generally regarded were of spare build gout and rheumatism were as a rule absent it seems says professor humphrey that the frame which is destined to great age needs no such prophylactics and engenders none of the peccant humours for which the finger joints as in gout may find a vent of the fifty-two aged people twenty-four only had no teeth the average number of teeth remaining being four or five long hours of sleep were notable among these old people the period of repose averaging nine hours while out-of-doors exercise in plenty and early rising are to be noted among the factors of a prolonged life one of the centenarians drank to excess on festive occasions another was a free beer drinker and drank like a fish during his whole life twelve had been total abstainers for life or nearly so and mostly all were small meat-eaters the oldest woman in austria at this time is magdalena ponza who is one hundred and twelve she was born at wittingau bohemia in seventeen seventy five when maria theresa sat on the austrian throne george the third had then been but fifteen years king of england louis the sixteenth who had ruled a little more than a twelvemonth in france was still in the heyday of power the independence of the united states of america had not yet been declared napoleon and arthur wellesley were as yet but six years old 
Magdalena Ponza retains full possession of her mental faculties. Unfortunately, she can only speak the Czech language, and she can neither read nor write. However, she answers questions briskly enough through the youngest of her surviving grandchildren, herself a woman of sixty. Magdalena Ponza's age is authenticated by the outdoor relief certificate of the Viennese municipality. Of American centenarians, we have a number, some of whom are still living. Harrisonville, New Jersey has two, Michael Potter and Bartholomew Coles. Polly Wilcox of Hope Valley, Rhode Island, celebrated her centennial last year. So did Jane Wilcox of Edgecombe, Maine, while she had a sister, 94, and a daughter, 81. Old Auntie Scroggins of Forsyth County, Georgia, is now 104 years old, and is still one of the most effective shouters of the Methodist Church, to which she has belonged 94 years. Miss Phoebe Harrod of Newburyport, Massachusetts, celebrated her centennial last year. She still takes a lively interest in passing events. Grandmother Sarah Drew at Halifax celebrated her centennial a year ago. Her constant companion is an old Bible which has been in the Drew family for 250 years. Mrs. Trifine Bevans of Danbury, Massachusetts, held a lively centennial reception in the parlours of the West Street Church, April the 14th, 1886. Her health, hearing, and speech were good, and her step brisk. She attributes her age and good health to good habits, and allowing nothing to trouble or worry her. She has always been a strict church member. William Waterman of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, is said to be 109 years old. It is said he is a Methodist, uses liquor and tobacco, and finds no fault with the world. Joseph O'Neill of Barnesville, Georgia, might have been living still if he had not been frozen to death last winter, at the age of 107, in a sudden blizzard. He was a Negro and had over 200 descendants. Mrs. Elizabeth Thomas of Reading, Pennsylvania, who had lived a century, might be still living if she had not been killed last year while walking on the railroad track. Of those who overrun the century, we might mention further Simon Harris, who died in Putman County, Indiana, last January, aged 109. His memory was good to the last. Mrs. Elizabeth Small, relict of Dr. Samuel Small at Lewiston, Maine, had passed her hundredth birthday a few weeks when she died of apoplexy, and Mrs. Susan Phillips of Wilson Creek, North Carolina, died last year just as she finished her century. Nathan, formerly slave of Benjamin W. Bodie, died last year in Mississippi, Talbot County, aged 107. Christopher Mann of Independence, Missouri, died last year, aged 111. The oldest of all, and probably the oldest minister in the world, is the Reverend Thomas Tennant of Vineyard Township, Arkansas, an itinerant Methodist preacher born in 1771, now in his 116th year. Mr. Edward Gentry told a more remarkable story at Indianapolis last July. He was at the governor's office, and gentlemen were guessing at his age. None supposed him over fifty, but he said he had a son, fifty-two years old, and was himself seventy-eight. He added, My doctor has given me a fifty years longer lease on my life, barring accidents. My father is one hundred and twenty-eight and is still living. My mother died at the age of one hundred and seventeen, 
and her mother lived to the same age. Mr. Gentry is of English birth. Perhaps the best specimen of family health is that of the Atkinson family of Gloucester, Massachusetts. Nine children were born, and all lived. The first death in the family was a few weeks ago, when John Atkinson died, aged 84. When he died, the ages of the nine amounted to 703 years. Aunt Dinah John, the oldest Indian in the Onondaga Reservation, died in May 1884, aged 109. About ten years ago, when Governor Seymour was about to make an address at an Indian fair on the Onondaga Reservation, Aunt Dinah walked upon the platform and asked to be introduced to him. Mr. Gardner said, "'Governor Seymour, this is Aunt Dinah, who wants to become acquainted with you.' oh no him get acquainted with me aunt dinah explained me know him before he know anybody many years ago me go to pompey hill his father's grocery governor's father say my squaw very sick i ask what matter his father say go in and see for yourself he go into a room see a little papoose about a foot long then moving toward governor seymour and pointing her finger at him she said that papoose was you governor seymour born that night aunt dinah called frequently at mr seymour's and took especial delight in rocking the cradle and showering caresses in her native fashion upon the future governor of the state about three years ago she became blind and has since been kept at her home in the onondaga reservation she retained her faculties to the last her husband died thirty years ago her dying request was that the pagan ceremony be first observed and afterward the christian ritual what are we to reckon says the home journal as to the declining period of man's existence the point at which old age taps us on the shoulder and says it comes to keep us company varies with the individual it depends a great deal on circumstances which are hardly the same in any two cases some writers have said that a man is old at forty-five others have set down seventy as the normal standard dr john gardner who has written on longevity remarks long observation has convinced me that sixty-three is an age at which the majority of persons may be termed old and as a general rule we may adopt this as the epoch of the commencing decline of life suppose then we agree to call no man old till he is past sixty-three let us set down the names of some of the illustrious people of the world who have prolonged their days of usefulness after that age we shall make a table of them and begin it with those who have died at seventy that is to say with those in whom the springs of life have not stood still till they have had at least seven years of old age it will be found however to be far from exhaustive and every reader may find pleasure in adding to it from his own stock of information age at death seventy columbus lord chatham petrarch copernicus balanzani boerhaave gaul seventy one linnaeus seventy two charlemagne samuel richardson alan ramsay john locke necker seventy three charles darwin thorwaldson seventy four handel frederick the great dr jenner seventy five haydn dugald stuart seventy six bossuet seventy seven thomas telford sir joseph banks lord beaconsfield seventy eight galileo corneille seventy nine 
William Harvey, Robert Stevenson, Henry Cavendish, 80, Plato, Wordsworth, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Kant, Thiers, William Cullen, 81, Buffon, Edward Young, Sir Edward Cook, Lord Palmerston, 82, Arnaud, 83, Wellington, Goethe, Victor Hugo, 84, Voltaire, Talleyrand, Sir William Herschel, 85, Cato the Wise, Newton, Benjamin Franklin, Jeremy Bentham, 86, Earl Russell, Edmund Haley, Carlyle, 88, John Wesley, 89, Michelangelo, 90, Sophocles, 99, Titian, 100, Fontenelle. It may be said that they were exceptional in living so long, but if what the best authorities say to be true, the exceptions ought to be the people who died young, and not those who prolong their lives and carry on their work till they are old. Few of us may find ourselves, like Lord Palmerston, in our greatest figure at seventy, or be able, like Thiers, to rule France at eighty, or have any spirit for playing the author, like Goethe and Victor Hugo, when over eighty, or for playing the musician, like Handel and Haydn, when over seventy. But by good management we may do wonders. The wisest men and the best have been conspicuous for working to the end, not taking the least advantage of the leisure to which one might think they were entitled. They have found their joy in pursuing labours which they believed useful either to themselves or to others. John Locke began a fourth letter on toleration only a few weeks before he died, and the few pages in the posthumous volume, ending in an unfinished sentence, seem to have exhausted his remaining strength. The fire of Galileo's genius burned to the very end. He was engaged in dictating to two of his disciples his latest theories on a favourite subject, when the slow fever seized him and brought him to the grave. Sir Edward Cook spent the last six years of his life in revising and improving the works upon which his fame now rests. John Wesley, only the year before he died, wrote, I am now an old man, decayed from head to foot. However, blessed be God, I do not slack my labours. I can preach and write still. Arnaud, one of the greatest of French theologians and philosophers, retained, says Disraeli, the vigour of his genius and the command of his pen to his last day, and at the age of eighty-two was still the great Arnaud. It was he who, when urged in his old age to rest from his labours, exclaimed, Rest? Shall we not have the whole of eternity to rest in? A healthy old age cannot be reached without the exercise of many virtues. There must have been prudence, self-denial, and temperance at the very least. According to the proverb, he that would be long an old man must begin early to be one. And the beginning early just means taking a great many precautions commonly neglected till it is too late. More people would be found completing their pilgrimage at a late date, if it were not that, as a French writer puts it, men do not usually die, they kill themselves. It is carelessness about the most ordinary rules of healthy living. The enjoyment of old age may be looked on, then, as a reward, and the aged may pride themselves on being heirs to a rich inheritance, assigned to forethought and common sense. Many years are an honour. They are an honour even in the case of the worldly, 
and a great deal more so when life has been regulated by motives higher than any the world can show the hoary head says solomon is a crown of glory but he adds this qualification if it be found in the way of righteousness old people form a natural aristocracy and to be ranked among them may be recommended to all who have an ambition to close their lives well up in the world for a picture of an old man in this enviable state of mind take cornaro in his eighty-third year we find him congratulating himself that in all probability he had still a series of years to live in health and spirits and to enjoy this beautiful world which is indeed beautiful to those who know how to make it so even at ninety-five he wrote of himself as sound and hearty contented and cheerful at this age he says i enjoy at once two lives one terrestrial which i possess in fact and the other celestial which i possess in thought and this thought is equal to actual enjoyment when founded on things we are sure to attain as i am sure to attain that celestial life through the infinite mercy and goodness of god jeremy bentham who lived to be eighty-five retained to the last the fresh and cheerful temperament of a boy john wesley who died when he was eighty-eight also had a happy disposition i feel and grieve he says but by the grace of god i fret at nothing goethe who reached his eighty-third year is another good example then there is burhaver one of the most celebrated physicians of modern times who held that decent mirth is the salt of life indeed in the case of most old people we believe it will be found that cheerfulness is one of their leading characteristics the recent death of mr beecher who with his splendid constitution ought to have lived twenty years longer illustrates the principles of hygiene which he blindly disregarded for years he was threatened with the form of death that seized him and came near a fatal attack some years ago in chicago while delivering a lecture men of a strong animal nature hearty eaters and restless workers making great use of the brain are liable to such attacks if mr beecher had observed ordinary prudence and had a little scientific magnetic treatment he would never have had an apoplectic attack but he was commonplace in thought he went the old way and died as short-sighted men die he had read my anthropology and told me he kept it in his library but its thought did not enter into his life end of human longevity by joseph r buchanan